Welcome to the Walk Podcast of the Thompson Institute, a podcast for students and faculty on your walk across campus as a resource for your spiritual journey. I'm Aaron Badenhop. And I'm Jordan Browning. And we are your hosts and fellow Buckeyes. Well, if you found this podcast to be helpful to you, we encourage you to think about someone you know that might also benefit from being introduced to The Walk. Sharing links from the Thompson Institute website or from your podcast app with friends, acquaintances, classmates, etc. may be a helpful first step in someone else's spiritual journey. In part three of our interview with Dr. D. Silvestro, we ask him what his experience with suffering has been like and how suffering has impacted his faith. Even curious, even for yourself personally, you've talked <clears throat> even previously about what it was like for you to go into college as an undergraduate student and sort of start to wrestle with why is it, why do I believe the things that I believe? Your own look at kind of historical data and the person of Jesus, your own engagement with um, the Gospels and the person of Jesus. Um, since kind of making that decision and saying, yeah, this, this is what I'm all about. Um, I, you know, even kind of taking that 10% step of faith, even to say, okay, I've been created with this purpose and I I want this relationship with Jesus. Um, do you feel like, yeah, how's your experience been with that? We've been talked a lot about even kind of scientifically, what does it look like to engage with faith, kind of your own experiential um, engagement, do you feel like it's confirmed kind of you taking that 10% uh, step of faith and even what that's looked like for you? Yeah, as I said, I put out the hypothesis that the Bible was true and Jesus was real and I was going to go forward with that assumption and see how it worked out, like the way I did experiments in the lab. I Some hypothesis, I thought, well, this might work, this might not, but others I thought, I think this one's pretty good. And then I would go forward in either case and see see where it led. And I, I've done that with my Christian walk. Now, God could do whatever he wants. A lot of people will say, well, if God would do something dramatic with me, then I'll believe. And he's perfectly free to do that. There are some examples in the Bible where he does that. But one of the problems with that is if he tries to force you to believe, there's not really a hard attitude. I mean, it's, you're kind of forced into something. And most of us don't want to be forced into a relationship and say, oh, I guess I got to do this, but I don't really want to. Hmm. And so God can do something through a big sign, but the Bible pattern is that's not usually the way he worked. Usually he gave signs to people that, in the Bible anyway, that already had some correct belief but needed some adjusting hmm. or needed to step out and do something particularly dangerous uh, like Paul the Apostle believed in the right God, but didn't believe Jesus was his representative, didn't believe that was God in the flesh. And he had this tremendous sign and then changed his mind. But he already believed something to begin with. And then afterwards, he went through a horrendous life. Hmm. And so he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, all kinds of things happened with him. So sometimes you got to be careful what you ask for if you want that great side. It may be because you're going to really need it. Mm-hmm. So God can do that, and I've heard of him doing that. I've heard of him giving dreams to people that aren't Christian, and that led them to seek out more about Christianity. But most of the time, it doesn't seem like that's how he works, because again, it doesn't really make a hard attitude. And the Gospels even speak of uh, some religious leaders that saw Jesus' miracles and still didn't want to believe. And, mm-hmm. and 
because it, it affected their really their power their power position and position and they just didn't want to believe even though they saw all these great signs so great signs don't always lead to belief so i think the usual way god works is to have us take a step of faith and believe and then he gives us some subjective evidences as we go along that further cement our beliefs. So it's kind of a rather, a sh rather than show me and I'll believe, there's kind of a believe and I'll show you in mm -hmm. terms of personal experience. Mm -hmm. And and I've seen that in my own life where, yes, I, I took that 10% step of faith and I've seen some things that maybe wouldn't convince anybody else, mm -hmm. but definitely have convinced me. So for example, I just have found myself wanting to do some things I wouldn't have wanted to do before. That God, my relationship with God has made me want to do some things that normally I'd say, you know, I just don't want to do this, even though I see it's a good thing to do. And he's, he's changed a, a lot of my attitudes where, you know, yes, uh, from a comfort standpoint, I'd rather not do this, but I really am committed to this and I, I want to do that. So he's changed some of my desires. And then there have been just different things along the way that, you know, I... For example, I was literally allergic to my work. I worked in between my undergrad and grad school, and I was working in a state chemist lab on Purdue's campus. I had hay fever really bad. My father had hay fever the day he died. Uh, my sister still has hay fever. Hmm. And I, at 22, was prayed for. And I, I was working with pollen-containing samples. So I was literally allergic to my work. And uh, I went out feeling as sick as when I went in. And from the next day on, I've never had another symptom. Um, I, there's so many other people I wish would be healed that have so many worse problems. So I don't, I don't pretend to understand why God does what he does sometimes. But in, the, in my case, this was not a remission with age or some of the natural explanations really don't work. I just plain stopped having this problem at 22. Or um, another time I was really wrestling with something in my own life and uh, there was a Bible verse I read, and I said, yeah, that's it. That's really what I needed to hear. And I promptly forgot what the verse was. I couldn't remember what it said or where it was. About a week later, I was praying. I said, God, I want to remember this verse. And I had the thought that it was in a book I'd read maybe five to ten years earlier. I said, I don't even know if I still have that. And I, and I, I don't remember it being in that book. I don't even remember hardly what that book said. And I went up to this bookshelf where there was all kinds of books. I said, I wonder if it's even here. And I thought, why am I looking on the left side? It's on the right side of the second shelf. There it was. And so then I sat down with it and thought, okay, what chapter? There's like 15 chapters in here. I thought, oh, it's chapter 12, third page. Opened it up. There it was. Hmm. There was the verse. Okay, some skeptic might say, oh, it's in the back of your mind. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, that was just really amazing, and it really reinforced what I needed to do. So things like that that God has done, he, in little ways, he has confirmed that my belief was correct. And there's a verse in the Bible. It's in the, the letter that the Bible calls he, the letter to the Hebrews. Hmm. And it says in there pretty much that um, when you come to God, you need to believe he exists and that he's a rewarder of, the, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that's basically what I did. I decided to believe that he was and that he would give me, he'd reward my efforts to, to walk with him. And that's what he did. He's given me, as I said, these little signs as I've gone along uh, that have confirmed that my belief was correct, that they don't happen every day. There's days I just have to plain go on faith and, and plow through, but there's other times he's done different things for me that have confirmed that I made the, my hypothesis was correct. Hmm. I appreciate the, that, though, because I even feel like a lot of our interview, our conversation so far has been a lot of kind of big picture God, 
um, as did he, you know, is he the creator? Uh, can we trust that there's something out there? And I feel like even what you just described is even showing kind of the very personal nature of the God of the Bible, that he's, he is this huge being, but then also someone that is very personal uh, and meets you where you're at. Right. Um, which I think is, yeah, super powerful to hear. Yeah. Well, as I as I thought about what you've been saying so far as we've been talking with you, I uh, can imagine that there are some students and faculty on our campus who understand what you're saying about intelligent design, that the complexity of the human cell, of of the the universe, uh, could lead to the best excl- explanation being an intelligent designer. And maybe even some who would say, oh, I can see how those experiences you described who would be very affirming for you in, the, in your faith. But um, there are there are people who have experienced tremendous suffering and have gone through some really hard things, and it seems like one of the the bigger stumbling blocks to faith for people is the idea that if God is good and all powerful and loving, why does He allow us to go through such horrible experiences in life? And so. I'm wondering if you could, if you'd be willing to share a little bit about your own experiences with suffering and how has your faith uh, impacted those experiences or even how has your faith been impacted by experiences of suffering that you have and your family have, have gone through? Well, the Bible definitely teaches that this is part of life. The Bible teaches we're in a fallen state. That's called sin and that that impacts uh, our own lives and impacts the, the whole world in general, that the, the whole universe is subject to decay and we're gonna have trials, we're gonna have suffering in this life. And the Bible definitely teaches that. So people, a lot of people say, I don't believe in God because of this. It's, I think they're more saying, I don't like that God. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not really evidence against God because the Bible clearly teaches that could happen. The, one of the earliest stories we have in the Bible is about Cain and Abel and two brothers and they had a conflict and the bad brother killed the good brother. And it's said at that time that God sometimes talked out loud to people, which he could still do today, but it seems like it happened a little more at the beginning of Genesis than it happens now. And he came after this whole fight and said to, to Cain, basically, what did you just do? Said it out loud. I'm thinking when I read that, where were you 10 minutes ago? <laughs> Why didn't you stop him from killing Abel? Why didn't you speak to him before he did that? But yet he allowed, he allowed that evil. And then later in the New Testament, people came to Jesus and talked about how the Romans had killed some people. And, and then Jesus brought up how a tower had fell down and some people were killed. And they wanted an explanation. And one of the convenient explanations that sometimes went around at that time and still goes around today is that um, well, they were bad people and I'm good, so it didn't happen to me. And Jesus basically told them, those people were no worse than you are. It's interesting, he didn't say that you're all good. He basically said you're all sinners. You all fall short of the glory of God. You all fall short. And um, that's the nature of the world. There's sin in it. And no one in their own strength reaches the standard God's put up for us. So he basically said they were no worse than you are. The people killed by the Romans or the people that fell in the tower. 
But he didn't offer an explanation why. He just said, this is not the reason, but he didn't tell them what it was. Similarly, when in the Bible where Job suffered, at the end, God comes to him and basically says, um, I know a whole lot more than you do. That's all you need to know. He didn't explain mm. to Job either why Job had gone through everything. So there does seem to be something in the Bible that more or less says the world is under a curse because of sin. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be catastrophes. There's going to be sickness. Um, you're not going to get a full explanation of how all this works except to know it's part of the fallen nature of, of the universe. And that one day, though, you'll if you accept Jesus as your Savior, you will go to heaven, and that's for eternity, and that's going to be way more valuable to you than anything you go through in the short run. Mm. Um, the other thing that God says to us is that I'm not aloof from your sufferings. According to the Bible, God came to earth as a man named Jesus, and he suffered rejection, he suffered all kinds of things, and eventually was tortured and killed. So it's not just a matter of do what I, do what I say and not what I do. God said, I'm not going to explain everything to you, but I'm going to come and take some of this as well. I won't be aloof from your pain. So that's all the theology, and that's all great. But then when it hits you personally, sometimes the theology sure. doesn't comfort you much. And I've gone through some things. The worst thing I've gone through was a little over a year ago, my oldest son died indirectly from cancer. And... There were a lot of questions why, because at the time he died, he might have even been cancer-free. He was going through a fairly supposedly mild immunotherapy we're not even sure he needed, and he had this unprecedented reaction to immunotherapy and died from the immunotherapy. So it's like, what if we never even had that treatment done? You know, we, There's all kinds of questions about that. Mm. And he left behind a two-and-a-half-year-old son, and then he had another son born a couple of weeks after he died. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I could say I'm going to see David in heaven. I had 32 good years with him. I can live with that. But I just hate that his children are growing up without him there as a father. Mm -hmm. And although I understand the suffering and sin, God, why couldn't you have spared him? You, you spare people in the Bible, but sometimes you don't. Again, in that book of Hebrews, it talks mm -hmm. about all the miraculous rescues that people people experienced, but then it said, and others weren't rescued. Mm -hmm. You know, David was one of the others. You know, why why did you cure me of hay fever or heal me of hay fever? I would gladly live with hay fever my whole life and not have had David die indirectly from cancer. Uh, I can live with the idea of the suffering, but I don't understand why God rescues some in this life and why he doesn't. And the Bible just plain doesn't explain that. It just says this is the way things are. There will be a reward in heaven and everything will be great at that point. Mm -hmm. That's your hope. Hmm. Uh, why some are rescued in this life and why some aren't, we just don't know. And so that's a point where you either believe or you don't, and I chose to believe and keep going. Hmm. Well, Aaron, I appreciate Dr. DiSilvestro and uh, our continued conversation with him. Something that stands out from this particular episode is as he was sharing what it, what it looks like, even from a biblical sp perspective, for God to work in the world, that there are uh, cases where God does something out of the ordinary, really extraordinary. Um, but in most cases, and this maybe would come as a surprise for those who maybe aren't as familiar with the Bible, uh, we find God working 
in the Bible more subtly, more subversively, uh, yet still very powerfully. And I think that that's really compelling because I think uh, maybe for those who are listening even who don't yet believe um, in God or uh, aren't Christian uh, might wonder, well, if, if the God of the Bible is real, why wouldn't he just uh, do something so obvious uh, to to get our attention? Um, and I think even what Dr. De Sylvester was getting at was that we could still dismiss, we could still excuse uh, something that could be quote-unquote obvious to us. Um, and I think even personally, as I continue in my own um, spiritual journey in Christianity, uh, I feel like I'm convinced more and more, uh, that God wants me even to, to pay attention more to the subtle and subversive ways that he's working, um, that are still very powerful rather than trying to look to see like, okay, when's he going to do this, uh, obvious and overt miracle. Yeah, I also really appreciated how candid Dr. De Silvestro was about his experience with his family, with his son passing away at such a young age. And um, it's just hard for me to even imagine what that must have been like for him and for his family. Um, and I, I think it's significant because I think so many of us, when we experience suffering, it can almost feel like this deterrence to belief in God. And, and um, I think it's significant that uh, Dr. De Silvestro can express his experience of suffering and, and really talk about how there are still unanswered questions related to why God has allowed this to happen. He expressed that it doesn't make sense to him, but it's, it's, it's cool to see how he models for us what it looks like to, to persevere in faith even with these very painfully unanswered questions uh, still present, it sort of displays to us that that is possible. Well, join us next time as we complete our interview with Dr. De Silvestro. We'll talk to him about how his experience as a university professor has given him an interesting metaphor in understanding the core message of Christianity. Thanks so much for listening to The Walk of the Thompson Institute. The personal views presented by the scholars and professors on our podcast do not represent the views of their employer. For upcoming events and for more information, visit the thompsoninstitute.org, a program of Crew at Ohio State.